Please take a copy of God's word and turn to Genesis 28. We'll be looking at the whole chapter today. Genesis 28, verses 1 through 22. Then Isaac called Jacob and blessed him and directed him, you must not take a wife from the Canaanite women. Arise, go to Paddan Aram, to the house of Bethuel, your mother's father, and take as your wife from there one of the daughters of Laban, your mother's brother. God Almighty bless you and make you fruitful and multiply you, that you may become a company of peoples. May he give the blessing of Abraham to you and to your offspring with you, that you may take possession of the land of your sojournings that God gave to Abraham. Thus Isaac sent Jacob away, and he went to Paddan Aram, to Laban, the son of Bethuel, the Aramean, the brother of Rebekah, Jacob's and Esau's mother. Now Esau saw that Isaac had blessed Jacob and sent him away to Paddan Aram to take a wife from there. And that as he blessed him, he directed him, you must not take a wife from the Canaanite women. And that Jacob had obeyed his father and his mother and gone to Paddan Aram. So when Esau saw the Canaanite women did not please Isaac, his father, Esau went to Ishmael and took as his wife, besides the wives he had, Mahalath, the daughter of Ishmael, Abraham's son, the sister of Nebaioth. Jacob left Beersheba and went toward Haran. And he came to a certain place and stayed there that night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones of the place, he put it under his head and lay down in that place to sleep. And he dreamed and behold, there was a ladder set up on the earth and the top of it reached to heaven. And behold, the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord, the God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac, the land on which you lie, I will give to you and to your offspring. Your offspring shall be like the dust of the earth, and you shall spread abroad to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. And in you and your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go. And will bring you back to this land. For I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place and I did not know it. And he was afraid and said, How awesome is this place. This is none other than the house of God. And this is the gate of heaven. So early in the morning, Jacob took the stone that he had put under his head and he set it up for a pillar and poured oil on top of it. He called the name of that place Bethel, but the name of the city was Luz at first. Then Jacob made a vow saying, if God will be with me and will keep me in this way that I go and will give me bread to eat and clothing to wear so that I come again to my father's house in peace, then the Lord shall be my God. And this stone, which I have set up for a pillar, shall be God's house. And of all that you give me, I will give a full tenth to you. 
The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of our God endures forever. Let us pray. Oh, Heavenly Father, we are taken aback at your kindness and your grace. For we see Jacob and Esau before us here. And we see in Jacob's life thus far, not a whole lot of difference, it seems, than with the life of Esau, except that maybe he was a little bit smarter. And we see here that it really is about you having a hold on our lives. It's about your direction. It's about you giving us your identity, your family name in Jesus. So may we be encouraged to see Jesus in this passage. We pray this in his precious name and for his glory. Amen. So what is a house? A house is a boundary. It's much like a national boundary, except for a tiny little model of that nation called a family. But what goes in a house? And why does that boundary need to be there? We call, you know, a house can be a house, but it might not be a home, right? And it's because of the family that's in there that makes it a home. It is the place that we pass on our identity, our values, our behavioral norms, which reflect that identity and and those values. But for that to be effective, we have to have security. It has to be a safe place. In other words, it has to be the hold in the word household. The main idea of this passage is that the covenant certainty that we long for is unto covenant identity. When we gain covenant certainty, we gain a covenant identity which is unto then direction for covenant living. Now remember, the central teaching, the central element of covenant is God's bond with his people. It is his bond that he chose to have with you and with me. And it's in that bond that we have certainty, that we know who we are and we know how to live. And the consistency in all of that is God's faithfulness to us in that bond. He never lets us go. So how does God want us to respond to his covenant faithfulness? That love, that bond that he has for us. Well, God wants us to live out the three W's, to walk by faith, to watch for unbelief, and to wonder at revelation. First of all, God wants us to live out the first of the three W's, to walk by faith. And what we see in this passage is that, and I I told Kelly earlier this week, I'm preaching on Jacob, and he's one of the hardest dudes to preach on, I'm telling you. Uh, He's a little rascal at times. Um, Makes it easier when, you know, when some of these guys have flaws, but then they do some really cool and good things. Jacob, he does, he does, but he can be a little rascal at times. And so he's a little unwieldy, probably much like me and everybody else here, right? But God, and what we see in this passage is that God's the one that's making the connections here. 
And there are major connections. First of all, in the direction of his life. Jacob is just, you know, he stole the blessing from Esau. He stole the birthright from Esau. And now Isaac is doing what he said. And Jacob doesn't have to really think about much. He just has to do what Isaac says. Go in this direction. As Lao Tzu said, the journey of a thousand miles begins with one step. But how are you going to be sure that you're stepping out on that path correctly and on the right path? Well, first, what, what Jacob has here is Isaac as his covenant head. Isaac is the one that God chose at this time to communicate the covenant, the bond, the love that he has. That's see. Remember what we said, the covenant is the ceremony. It's not the bond. It's a picture of the bond that was already there in God's heart. And it flows out in through Isaac here, who says, who tells him which direction he is to go to give him the courage to take that first step. Now, how was Jacob to know that he could trust Isaac? Remember, we said back in Genesis 27, Isaac said, look, he will be blessed. As Esau weeping and crying and begging his father for a blessing, Jacob has to be blessed. Isaac had to bless Jacob, even though probably in his druthers, he would have rather blessed Esau. Because he knew that what was central was not Isaac, Jacob, or Esau. It was the word of blessing. And so now he's fulfilling that in, in the beginning of this passage. Now, how was Jacob to know that he could trust God, let alone Isaac? Well, we see a pattern of God's faithfulness and where he had to go. Right? Abraham suggests, not suggests, commands, don't go to the Canaanite women. Why? Because the Canaanites are cursed. Remember from Noah, right? Ham's son, Canaan. They're cursed. Doesn't mean that they can't come into the people of God. And Abraham's pattern was he was called out of the Ur of the Chaldees and followed God into the promised land. They had to go. He sent his servant back to Paddan Aram to come out of. And then again, now we have Jacob having to go back to the same place. There's a there's a recognition as far as they could see that God works in going in this direction, coming out of darkness into light. And so he sees a pattern of God's faithfulness. He sees the people of God's direction in this particular household of Laban, the son of Bethuel, Rebecca's father, his mother's father. And then we see that he's gone to that family and we see a promise that Isaac ties to this in verses three and four, that there's a kind of looking back and then a building from that promise. First of all, it goes all the way back to Genesis 128. If you look at verses three and four, he says, God Almighty bless you and make you fruitful and multiply you. We've heard that before, we've heard that a number of times. Genesis 28, 128, we see there in Genesis 9, 1. And God blessed them, talking to Adam and Eve. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Then when the earth is remade, as so to speak, under Noah, 
God tells Noah the same thing. God blessed Noah and his sons, and he said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. And we see here, Isaac's picked this up. And he's saying, do the same. And then there's this connection to Abraham. You may see in other parts of scripture, and we'll get to that in a minute, that God is referred to as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Now, Abraham is the foundation. He's the core of it all. But by his connection with Isaac as his son, remember Isaac, it was through Isaac that you will be blessed, right? And then Jacob coming from Isaac, the older will serve the younger. Okay, so he was the younger of the, of the two twins of Jacob and Esau. All of this connects them as a unit with Abraham as the foundation. Go back to Genesis 12 there on your sheets. Now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you and I will make of you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing and I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you, I will curse and in you all the families of the earth will be blessed. And then we see in verse four, he uses a phrase, the blessing of Abraham. Paul picks this up in Galatians three. He says, know then that it is those of faith, those who trust in Christ. You want to know if you're Abraham's people? It's not because you have a Jewish bloodline. It's because you have a spiritually Jewish bloodline, not even a bloodline. It's a spiritual line. Know then it is those who are of faith who are the sons of Abraham. And the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith Preach the gospel. This is the gospel right here. We don't think of that in the Old Testament, do we? We think that, you know, God, meek and mild, Jesus, meek and mild, New Testament. Yeah, that's that. And God stops being angry and he's right. No, 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 no. He's consistent all the way through from Genesis to Revelation. He preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham saying, in you shall all the nations be blessed. So then those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham. Why? Because Abraham was the man of faith, just like you and me. No different. So God is making these connections. So why worry about your future? He's already laid it out way back here. This is a history of your spiritual journey right here. You're connected to him. Look at how Jesus put it. When he was talking to the Sadducees and they were trying to trick him about Mary, you know, if, if someone dies and the lady marries another man, so far it goes on to seven people whose husband will be her husband. And Jesus says, you don't understand anything, do you? And he ends up saying this. And as for the resurrection of the dead, have you not read what was said to you by God? I am what? The God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. He is not God of the dead, but of the living. You are connected even now to the very soul of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob because of Christ. And that ought to give you covenant certainty. What good is that? Covenant certainty, the love of God through his covenant heads to his covenant people is unto covenant identity. You want to know who you are? Everybody's looking for identity today. You want to know who you are? You got to know whose you are. 
So covenant certainty is under covenant identity, which is under covenant living. When we know whose we are and we have the certainty of his love for us, that's not going away because we're connected. Isn't this mind blowing that we're connected to this story right here? It's so immediate, even though it was way back then. And God's faithfulness runs through it all and it's running today. So how does God want us to respond to his covenant faithfulness? He wants us to live out these three W's. First, walk by faith and now watch for unbelief. And we see it in a negative example of Esau here. See, God's already received us as his people. So why do we need to please men? And we see Isaac in his insecurity observing. I mean, sorry, not Isaac. Esau in his insecurity observing what Isaac is saying to Jacob. And he has these observations in verse six and seven, but then he notes something at the end of verse six. He notes that you must not take a wife from the Canaanite women. And in his foolishness, he goes and he gets this Ishmaelite woman. Why? Well, Ishmael's a, you know, was a son of Abraham. So maybe I'll please my parents. They don't like the Canaanite women. I'll get somebody connected with Abraham. He's not thinking correctly. What should he do at this point? He should throw his hands up and say, God, I will trust you and I will fall under my brother, the covenant head, the new rising emerging covenant head and follow your ways from there. But instead, he has this interpretation. He sees in verse eight that the Canaanite women did not please his father. So I got to win my father's affection. He's looking to please men, not God. And then he goes and does that action that we just described. So God's already received us. If you're received, Esau should have submitted to the to the setup. Yes, it was. It's not it's not condoning what Jacob did to get that. But it is amazing that God incarnates himself in a sense, accommodates himself to even take men's sin and work it to his glory by bringing and reclaiming a people to himself. He takes these crooked sticks and he straightens them out along the way for his glory. If God's already received us, why please men? So covenant certainty is under covenant identity. Esau should have chosen. Watch for unbelief. Watch for it in your hearts. Watch it in the hearts of those you love and care for and have the responsibility to care for. And point it out and point people back to the covenant certainty of God's love for us in Christ. So how does God want us to respond to his covenant faithfulness? The last of the three W's, walk by faith, watch for unbelief and wonder at revelation. You see, God's already spoken to us directly. And I put it in quotes. So why doubt him? What I mean by that is. Who's our representative right now in this passage? It's Jacob. Jacob is our covenant representative. And God spoke to him directly. We're connected to him via Christ. Now, we're, we're going to get to Christ. I'm not saying Jacob saves anybody. Okay. 
I'm trying to say that is God unfolds his plan of reclaiming a covenant people, a people of his love for himself, that Jacob is, in a sense, the portal, like he says, where he was the gate of heaven. He is the portal through which those blessings flow to his covenant people. The blessing of knowing and being loved by an eternal God who knows your name. So wonder at Revelation. Why doubt him when he's already spoken directly to us? We see his presence being noted in that speaking in verses 10 through 15. And what is Jacob doing here? Verses 10 and 11. Not much of anything, is he? He's sleeping. We've been here before, haven't we? At nighttime, someone's asleep. And God does something. Remember Genesis 15? When Abraham was wondering, who's going to get this? Where's my covenant child? Where Where is this land? And he goes to sleep and he had that smoking uh, fire pot and that torch that walked between those animals, essentially saying, whatever happened to these animals happens to me if I don't keep my part of this covenant, this covenant ceremony, which is telling you of my love for you. But Abraham, even if you fail, may what happened to these animals happen to me. And of course, that's ultimately fulfilled in Christ. Where we fail, Christ succeeded to make us his. So Jacob is doing the same thing that his grandfather Abraham was doing. He's sleeping. And it just goes to show you, as I look at Jacob, it's really about God's hold on his people, isn't it? It's not really about our hold on him. It's about his hold on us. Now, don't hear me saying there, that our hold on him doesn't matter. That's not the same thing. But it takes all kinds. We're going to see everything from rascally Jacob to his most virtuous son, who is commended for his virtue in Joseph. We'll see that when we get there. So there's no excuse here in terms of, I'm not trying to say, just be a rascal like Jacob and don't worry about it. That's not what it's saying. It's just saying that God is the one. He gets the glory for all this, whether it's rascally Jacob or wonderfully virtuous Joseph. It doesn't matter. God gets the glory. And so we have the picture in the dream in verse 12, starting in verse 12 of this ladder. Now, you remember that song? I don't know. I was taught it when I was little. We are climbing Jacob's ladder, right? That ladder wasn't there for Jacob to climb. That's a heretical song. We should never teach that to kids. It ruins so many people's understanding of what's being said here. What's being said here? It's the Lord coming down. That's what's going on here. Look at what it says in verse 12. The Lord builds this ladder. He sets it up where? On the earth. Where is Jacob? He's lying down on the earth, lying down, not doing anything. And know what the angels are doing. They're going up and down on this ladder. Jacob's not ascending and descending. 
And this ladder, what does it say? It's the top reaches to heaven. And it kind of reminds me, oh, wait a minute. This is a correction to what man thinks they can do in Genesis 11 and the Tower of Babel. Remember, they wanted to build a tower. Its top reaches into heaven, right? Genesis 11, 4. They, then they said, come to us. Let us build ourselves, ourselves a city and a tower with its top in the heavens. And let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be dispersed over the face of the earth. They were trying to make their own kingdom. They weren't wanting to obey what God told Adam. Multiply, fill, and subdue the earth. We don't want to be dispersed. And here, what's going on here? The Lord is building this ladder. And where is he? He's above the ladder because he is Lord over all. And what's he doing? He's speaking blessing over Jacob. Verses 13 through 17. First is a general blessing on the land and the offspring. We see the numbers in verses in verse 14 at the beginning. And then they spread over the face of the earth, the opposite of the Tower of Babel, right? These people are spreading. And there's a special blessing in you, he says, and your offspring, the whole earth will be blessed. The same promise he gave to Abraham. See, God hasn't given up on his great reclamation project of his people. Genesis 3.15 is in play. That God is working out where he is going to reverse the work of the evil one and Adam's submission to the evil one by one who will come up and submit to him and crush the head of the serpent, even as the serpent crushes his heel. And then we see in verse 15, a specific blessing. Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and I will Bring you back to this land for I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. This is a specific favor to Jacob to bring the kingdom on earth as it is in heaven through him. I will be with you. I will keep you. I will bring you back. I will not leave you until do you see the covenant certainty here. I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised. And then we see the incarnation, verses 16 through 22, or at least a model of the incarnation, because Jacob awakes and he goes, oh, wait, the Lord is in this place. And what is he? In verse 17, he's afraid because it's so awesome. And it's not awesome like surfer language. Awesome, dude. This is truly awesome. It's like the nature of this. This presence of God is awe-inducing. Like Jacob's going, I'm glad I was laying down for this. And there's a uniqueness directly to him. And he sees it and he says, this is the house of God, the gate of heaven. The gate of heaven. Look at John 10, 7 through 9 or 7 and 9. So Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. I am the door. If anyone enters by me. He will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The portal of heaven, the gate of heaven. Jesus is saying, look, this is me. All that's about me. And then we see in Jacob, the mark of worship, verses 18 through 19. He's not a total rascal. When he sees it, he responds correctly. He marks the space. The mark of worship is marking the space in verse 18. He took the stone and he set it up as a pillar. And then he gives the meaning of that pillar because he changes the name of the city. This is Bethel. What does Bethel mean in Hebrew? It means house 
of the Lord. House of God. The new house. Don't you want a new house? That's really a home. And so in that changing of the name, he's also conquering the land. Like Jesus, our king conquers all his and our enemies. And he's then names and marks the time. Verses 20 through 22, he's marking and naming time. Joseph made a, I mean, Jacob made a bow saying, if God will be with me and will keep me in this, in this way that I go. Notice he says, if, right? If God will keep me and keep me in this way that I go, he, he, he wants the assurances needed for the journey. His faith is still weak. He wants, what does he want? He wants bread to eat, clothing to wear, and to get back to the place where the, the, Remaining covenant head till he becomes it is there. My father's house in peace. You think Jesus might have had this passage in mind? I know you heard this passage last week. Might have had, he's asking for bread and for clothing. And Jesus says, therefore, do not be anxious about anything. What shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things. And your heavenly father knows that you need them all. But seek what? First, the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Well, what's the mark of, of today? We have God's house here, which is is an Old Testament way of talking about the incarnation of Christ. Though they didn't have it's not a full one to one direct comparison. What's the mark today for us to go on our journey and walk in faithfulness with God? Well, what gave Jacob confidence to make his journey? God made the connection from Jacob back through Isaac to Abraham. And it's the same. And ultimately, it's not just Abraham. It goes back to God himself and that covenant bond of love that he has for his people. God's spoken directly to Jacob and thereby to us. But he speaks a better word in Hebrews 1 through Jesus. Long ago and at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. He has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom he created the world. So God's spoken directly to us. So why doubt him? We have direction for covenant living. So in conclusion, what's What's he like and how can we have confidence to walk by faith and watch out for unbelief? He is the joy of heaven to earth come down. Because look at what Jesus says about himself and see if it reminds you of anything from this passage. Jesus says to Nathaniel, when he rightly says who Nathaniel is, he says, and he said to him, truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on who? The ladder? No, the son of man. Jesus is saying, I am that ladder that comes down to you and gives you the certainty so you don't have to have fear. The certainty of my love. You may not know what's going to happen around the corner, but you are safe and secure in the boundaries of the house of God, who is Jesus himself. With a ladder that reaches in the top of the heavens better than any tower any man can build. Where Jesus comes down and where he speaks his blessing over us. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, help us now as we 
leave this place to go out with the covenant certainty that tells us who we are and whose we are in our covenant identity and points us in the direction as Isaac pointed Jacob and Jacob followed through. May we simply just take those steps like Jacob did, knowing that it's you who has a hold on us and you have made our household a household of faith. For it is in Jesus' name and for his glory we pray. Amen.